right, we're going. And welcome back. Uh, six pack Lapidat, Paul Marin's in. Today we're going to be interviewing um, Tina Tornado, and um, she'll be Skyping in in a hot minute. But first, I just want to talk about a couple topics that are in the news, and I wanted to get your feedback, my friend, because I always ask you about All some right, things. All right, let's before. start it. So, I'm a huge, I'm a huge UFC fan. You know that. Everybody knows that who listens to it. I always like incorporate UFC into all these podcasts whenever we do it. And um, in January, fighting, I believe even later on, uh, I think this weekend actually, there's a guy, um, Greg Hardy. He played for the NFL. Now this is a, in 2014. This is a six foot four, 275 pound dude who got into a dust up with his girl, and. Um, I mean, we heard this story before. NFL guy roughs up his girlfriend, throws her around, um, roughs up. It was bad. It was bad, man. Uh, said, like, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill you. Bad shit. Gets kicked out of the NFL. And um, the NFL is like, that's enough. Like, we had enough problems with that kind of shit before. And um, so that was 2014, July of. Turns into a pro MMA fighter. The UFC picks him up. Okay. So now the people are saying to the UFC, uh, essentially, you guys should be promoting this guy. You guys should be backing this guy. And um, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have brought him onto the promotion. It makes, it makes the UFC look bad. What do you think about that? Uh, I 100% agree with the it makes the UFC look bad. Okay. As far as I'm concerned... I mean, you want to say the whole innocent until proven guilty. I don't know the backstory of whether so I'll tell he was you, actually I'll tell charged. you real quick. Tell you real quick. So I'll tell you. So he got charged, and then the case was dropped, and it's believed they settled out of court. So I'm still on the UFC shouldn't have picked him up. Based off of just violence towards Just work. Yeah, exactly. So here's... It, there's, no, there's no win for the UFC in this, in my opinion. Like... You've got a guy kicked out of the NFL. Yeah. Either way, you're going to get bad publicity, whether yeah. it's regardless of which side is actually going to give you the bad publicity, whether it's the people that are not supporting. Like, there's enough fighters out there. Why would you have to pick this guy up? Yeah. So, uh, right. And you're picking him up because of controversy. Yeah. You're picking him up because... That's it. It just makes is, you look bad because you're picking him up because of the he, controversy. He had, like, one fight. So he's not a hot prospect, although... Anyone who knows the NFL knows those dudes are like the, the most gifted athletes you're going to find anywhere. Like those dudes, in terms of athletes, creme de la creme would be the, the NFL. Yeah. They're, they're the easily most gifted. So everyone's like, what would happen if an A-list athlete hopped into the UFC? Well, now you're going to find out. That's kind of why they're doing it as well. Because he got kicked out, not because he wasn't good enough, because of what he did. Now, here's a, here's a catch-22 on that, that some people are saying. Agreed. Nobody's going to back a dude who, who assaults a woman. Who would? Who's going to go on the record and yeah. say, I'm pro that? But um, what, when can you say he can start working again? Not, not, not what he's doing, but when is he allowed to work? If he serves his time, does whatever the shit he's supposed to do legally, at some point, do you say to this man, you fucked up. And now for the rest of your life, you have to be a destitute, you have to be homeless, you have to be jobless, and you, you're not allowed to make money anymore. You have to allow it's, it to work. It's tough, because yeah, I believe in second chances, I think everyone deserves it. You have to allow but him to make money. But at the same money. time... So, if you have to allow him to make money, 
And we agree on, you have to allow him to go back but to work. at the same time, what restitution has he actually made other than settling out of court? Well, so well, far. So, but is that, is that even at all, whether or not, whatever restitution, the court let To me, that's not restitution, but... But the, the court, in terms of the court, like the, in terms of public opinion, is one thing, but the court says, you, you've, you're time spent yeah. or whatever the shit. So let's compare it to somebody, not on the same sort of vein, but on a similar sort of like public figure, NFL... Let's talk about Michael Vick then. Like, let's okay. kind of compare. So, yeah. huge star, gets busted for the dog fighting ring. Yeah. Settles a, I believe it was the basically settled out of court. Yeah. Did a bunch of public service, allowed back into the NFL. Like, to me, it's almost the same thing. Like, I'm, you know, I fucking love dogs. Like, dogs, yeah. dogs are. Honestly, that's probably harder for me to swallow. I was going to say, they're almost above Shit. humans for me, I would say. Be, they, they are above humans for me, I'm alive. The pro- problem is, too, man, those dogs died a brutal yeah. death. But at the same time, you can at least say that he keeps doing public service. He's doing whatever restitution that he has to. He's at least showing some remorse. What remorse is this guy showing so far? So, yeah, like, he talks about it. Has he, he says, done any, like, public serve, like, you know, public I don't awareness know. for I don't know, but, domestic abuse? Like, But is it... Is that when you start saying you're not allowed to work and have a job unless you do these things? And how long has it been out of work? Like, I still think it's been there five years be some... since he's been out of the NFL. But at five years, I'm trying to not have a job for six months. Yeah, you'll lose everything. Yeah, no, you five, literally, year, five you, years is a long time. If you convict somebody, you convict them to be homeless, or do you convict them to whatever, and you're allowed to make money as soon as you die, or do you convict someone to be homeless? Do you honestly say you should not have a job for five years? You're fucked. You'll lose. Like you'll be on the streets. You remember, I'm, you got to keep in mind, you want to turn into a drug dealer? Yeah. You want to, like, like said, you don't a, want this to is a tough. you know what I mean? It's one of those deals where, if you, are you only going to do this to him because he's famous? Or are you going to do this to every Joe Schmo? You're not allowed to go back to work. You're homeless too. I can pretty much guarantee though, every Joe Schmo is not settling out of court, but. No, they'll face it, yeah. but they'll also get a job real quick. It'll, it'll be different. It's a, t- it's a tough one but to deal with. Most Joe Schmoes are also going to, you know, it's not against anything, like just using this as an example. Their job back is going to be bagging groceries or something like that. Like they got to work their way back. One hundred percent. They've got to get somebody to back them. Whereas this guy's going to make a million dollars in a fight instead. So this is some of the quotes this guy said. I do revisit it the past that night. I'm haunted. I'm a broken man. But at the end of the day, I got to rebuild myself back up. And basically, he's saying this is my ch- my second chance. He's saying it's a one night off. Give me a second chance. It's tough, man. It's t- like you don't know. Look at this. Could be somebody's son. And if that's your son, look, because everyone will be like, that could be your daughter. 100%, you want to kill this fucking dude. But also, yeah. the flip side is, that could be your son. And it could be like, well, your son, after one night, will never again work again. And he's fucked for the rest of his life. And you'd be like, please, give this dude another chance. He's not going to be doing any other job but pro sports. This dude isn't going to work in an office. <laughs> he's <laughs> fucked. He's fucked. So this is what he's got to do. He's got to walk into a cage and fight another man bare-chested. Right? It's not. But it's again, not he's easy. still going to be set for life after this, realistically. Like, he's not, 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 not set for life. But you know what no. I mean? Like, he's going to make more on this fight than most people will make in, we'll say, like 10 years of. I don't know. He won't. No. The UFC doesn't pay like that the, uh, for guys who had two fights. UFC's not. Um, if you want to make money like that, like your thing is set for life for 10, don't read comments yet. You'll, 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 get a, you'll fall into that trap, Playboy. Yeah. But um, if you fall in, like, it, he, the UFC's not set up like other pro sports like that. I don't know, man. It's a tough one. I want to get your opinion because I've heard both. Yeah, as I said, like, I want to say that I wouldn't want to hold a person accountable entirely. Like, 
Obviously, he's got to be held accountable. And I want to say that he deserves some sort of second chance. But at the same time, that second chance being fucking just getting right thrown into the UFC. So he, let, me, let, me, let me juice it up for you even a little more. He signed on to a card, a UFC card, on the same fight night, on the same fight card, a woman fighter was assaulted by her boyfriend. In this, he was accused of telling his girlfriend he wanted to kill her or throwing her around. Video came out of this guy beating the girl who's on the card. He's also a pro fighter, dating the pro fighters on the card. Him saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to murder you. Beat her up, broke her eye socket. She healed up. She's on the same card still. And they didn't move him or her off the same card. They're going to fight on the same card. <laughs> it's that what? is what it's like. All right, man. I what do we be, even say? Like you, try, you try to be a devil's advocate? Yeah. That's, a, that's... That's... Like, are you doing this on purpose? Like, what the fuck are they trying to do other than just are build controversy? Are you doing this on purpose now? That's well, like we're talking about. Yeah. In the podcast I listen to, like the, all the MMA podcast stuff, they're all talking about it too. So maybe this is what they want. It's exactly what they want. They're just trying to build up the publicity and the controversy yeah. behind it, but... Yeah. I don't know, man. It's... That's a little much for it's me. It's a little much for me as well. All the second redemption bullshit. And she came on the record saying, I don't give a shit. But she really isn't in a place to say nothing. She'll lose a job. Yeah. Dana or whatever. Cutter. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's a bad one. It's... I wanted to get your feedback on that. And then, because in the same week, you got this R. Kelly shit. So a lot of people are saying, like, in the same vein, you got R. Kelly coming out with a video in 2013 pissing on some minor. And then every celebrity in the world, Jay-Z, Lady Gaga, making songs with him after the video came out. Yeah. And then this big, huge documentary drops on Netflix saying R. Kelly's a, a sexual predator. And they're all like, whoa, shit. When everybody yeah. already knew that. Yeah, it's kind of like how Chris Brown's still recording music despite the fact that yeah, and people will, beat the shit out of her. People will record with him. So second chance yeah. has come. You just got to wait. It or depends. how long do you wait? Or this guy waited five years not in the limelight. Yeah. You have to wait in the limelight first. Well, your, your, your time starts when I'm aware of what happened. It's all weird. Apparently, second chances come a lot easier if you're uh, going to make somebody else millions of dollars. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably it. Like, yeah, exactly that. But um, anyways, man, that's a, that's a sticky one that's... I wanted to get your uh, opinion on. And um, I also, uh, I think there was a couple of videos I had posted I wanted to get your... Oh, did you see... So, first off, we did a flashback to Dan Green with yep. his first, I think it was like his thousand kilo total. God bless, I hope Dan Green comes back at some point. God, I love Dan Green. If there's anybody that there's... I want to see make a comeback, it's Dan Green. Yeah, if we go back to the, uh, the New Year show or the Christmas show when we picked our gifts, yeah. I almost want to go back and say Dan Green Dan, made a comeback. Dan Green's return. Because imagine in the Prime versus Prime, Larry Wheels versus Dan Green. That, that would be the that is something I would want to see. You see those two like juggernauts, eyeball to eyeball about the rock and roll, and we've had like a whole bunch of people popping up out of nowhere, um, posting up on the King of the Lifts. A lot of like twenty year olds, uh, especially eighty three kilo, seventy four kilo, um, putting up some huge totals, man. I mean, this IPF Worlds freaking um, versus Becky in Poland. Did you see? He's been hitting some huge PRs. Now, Versbecki was the 93 kilo, basically just running 93 yeah. kilo when he's down there. Moved up to 105. Beat in about the 105s 2017. Slaughtered everybody. And then in the 2018, huge off day. Huge off day. I hit, his only deadlift he got bobbled at the top. I swear to God, it was almost a gift they gave it to him. When I yeah. seen it, no, I, I, remember, I remember it on the live stream. It, 
I seen it called. In my it. opinion, it was actually it should have been called, but I I was calling it on the play by play, and was like, I didn't want to say it, but I was like, let me see what the judges say. And um, so Verbecki's been posting some huge PRs, uh, like in the past like two weeks in terms of, like huge rep PRs for dead squats, biggest squat he's ever had, and looks like he's come back with a vengeance for the one of fives this summer. So now we have a whole new cast. The returning champ, who's Bryce Lewis, gone. Yep. Eli Burks, Eli, the Eli Burks champ is back, back in. Rondell Hunt moves up. Whole new bottle of the 105s, as well as some returning characters. Canadians, Bryce Krawcheck. Yep. Um, and we'll see if U.S. gets to also put in Blevins, but uh, it's going to be a whole nub. That I'm hoping Blevins is there still. I hope so. Any given day, Blevins is right up in yep. there. But Kristoff looks like he's like one of these monsters in this horror movies that returns for vengeance. I got a feeling, man. Well, being in Europe, I got a feeling he's... Going to be in a good spot. It's a huge... And here's another thing that people say, and I don't... I'm not sure because obviously I live in a Western nation, but to go from um, East to West is apparently harder than going from West to East for some reason with time zones. Have yeah. you heard that? Yeah, and I've what? experienced it many times. Why is that? Um, honestly, I don't even know why, but anytime I've traveled, yes. Everybody says that. And I, can, now, I can go West to East, no problem. I can get off a plane, just start my day. Things fine. Yeah. Come back, I'm fucked for how... You know, a week or so. These Europeans who came to Canada for the last World Championships, like, really, like, a lot of them had some bad showings. Now, that being said, Brett Gibbs had a phenomenal showing, and nobody came more east than him. Yep. He was so far, he was so far east, he was damn near west. Maybe that's what it was, right? But he's literally, like, a whole nother day, and he had a phenomenal showing. So, it wasn't across the board. I don't want to make excuses. But he came in early as well, didn't he? He did. He gave himself some time to acclimatize. And it's easy to say, wasn't everybody just coming early? Well, like, everybody's... You, you can't always afford it. That's... Yeah, exactly. Not, not only is every single day money, but do you have that kind of time off your job? I know uh, Verzbecki from Poland is a father and got a, he's a family man, so it's not like he can just up and leave for like a week to do some powerlifting. But I think it'll be a different case when because uh, the last time he had he faltered the the only time we've ever seen him lose at ninety three kilo. He won the world championships in every single world championships in ninety three kilo. The one time he lost the world championships was in North America again. North yep. America's is kryptonite. Apparently, yeah. That's uh But the worlds aren't aren't over here this time. However, he's gonna have to deal with a fresh face that he's never dealt with before. Um well he's never dealt with um Eli Burks and he's never had to deal with Rondell Hunt, Hunt, who is an absolute phenom. This he's a kid. He's a kid, but he's genetically his fingers are like like sausages, man. They have no no deadlifts coming out of it. The dude <laughs> honestly, you see the dude, he's just he's a freak. You know, he's built to move mass. And he's yeah. at, at like 21, 22. I totaled everybody in the open. And everybody in the open, it was like one of the most heavily hyped battle we've had. It won the award for the biggest battle of the year. And the only reason why he didn't win it is because he was a junior still. So yeah. it's, it's going to be a hell of a showdown. Which with the new rules, he would have been able to actually do both if he really yeah. wanted to. Yeah, the new IPF rules. Which would be interesting. If people don't know new IPF rules, um, you can do you can lift in the juniors earlier that week. Yeah. Come back and lift in in the open. Yeah, as, as long well, as you register for both. Which is phenomenal because you'll have guys like Charlie Dixon. He could have easily Gustav Hedlund from Sweden um, could have easily done juniors. He also outtotaled everybody in the open, so he could have showed up later on that week. Hey, I feel fresh enough. Yep. Am I going to necessarily win? I might knock someone off the podium. 
I might give some guys some scares. I'm going to shuffle the deck a little. I'm going to be that wild card. It makes things more interesting, and why the hell not? Some of these young dudes, man, I see people smoking PRs a week later all the time on Instagram. So it wouldn't be the craziest thing. Yeah, no, they come thing. back just stupidly quick. It doesn't yeah. even make sense, but to me. Yeah, but. I, I've seen, and especially in um, if, let's say you're a master, and it's like two weeks before. You, there are some people, like, like you'll have some masters will win their class head and shoulders easily come back and smash that open and run with the open and, and be able to like give some people work. So, and, and cause they don't have to go all out to take the master. Same as some juniors won't have to go out to take the juniors. Charlie Dixon could have easily won the juniors with far less effort and then come back later on yeah. that week. If there wasn't, you know, I mean, Russell or he, he wouldn't have bumped Russell, but you see what I'm saying though. So this rule is going to make these IPF worlds are going to mean IPF worlds to, to, to look at, and it also um, stands to note, not tw- yeah, twenty twenty. They're gonna separate the masters from the open, so then yeah, it makes have, it even easier for them now. If you're a master, fuck, you gotta you do both. If you can, yeah. If you if you're strong enough for both, like you know, Jen Thompson's gonna win. Yeah, Jen votes. Thompson or David Ricks or Tommy yeah. Harris, in, Marissa and uh, uh, yeah. fucking everybody's me. Um, Dennis Cornelius is getting up there. Like, there's some people getting up there. Kimberly Walford. I, I was just about to say, Kimberly Walford. Could like, do it. You've got, you know, there's there's so many people who are like 40 over or just under. By the time 2020 rolls around, they're going to be right there. Um, so, anyways, we'll see what happens. So, we got Tina Tornado on hold. I'm here, ideally, an hour, hour 15. Because I'm typically training around 5.30ish. She's a West Coast girl. 5.30ish. Sounds good to me. Let's give Tina Tornado. We're going to pause this for a minute. Okay, Tina. We're going to have to get uncomfortably close, Paul. Yep. What else is new? Um, <laughs> so, Tina, thank you for coming on right now. Um, yeah, of course. I got a bit of your background, and, and you got a phenomenal story. Like, a lot of times on our podcast, some people don't even know. Like, they see how many times we had people on here... Uh, I mean, this is going to go on and on, but they come on and have phenomenal stories, right? Long, way more than what people see in terms of these 60-second weightlifting little sound bites, etc. So, um, you actually, earlier on in, in schooling, you were an entirely different person. Oh, totally. So, I, was, uh, I was literally like your stereotypical loser that you would wind up seeing in movies like... I was like 150 pounds. I ate by myself in the corner, like literally eating like cheesy nachos and people were throwing food at me. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. That's literally how I was in high school. And then my best friend of like three years wound up posting signs all over the school that said, don't feed Tina. Like literally my on it and everything. So what, 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 how did this start? Like, did you have friends beforehand before this started happening? Why did they, why did they? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I was never really the type of person that was like really close with a bunch of people. I always like kind of kept to myself, but I'm also one of those people that when I love, I love really hard. And this was just a girl that I was just really, really close with. I don't know if she had jealousy issues. She was an athlete and everything, but that's what she did, and then I literally wound up leaving that day in high school, and I never went back, and I just went to homeschooling and graduated early. Then I went to college, but, I mean, after I wound up leaving, I wound up having a – I went through the whole process of 
going through eating disorders and literally within like three and a half months, I went from like 150 pounds to like double digit body weight. So it was, it was really rough. And it's crazy because I tried to like go through my computer to find like old pictures of myself like that. And I just never took pictures, but I mean, it, it was really rough, but I mean, I never played sports or anything in high school. Stereotypical loser kid that sat in the corner that got food thrown at them. Do you, like, do you, you grew up with siblings, though, right? I have an older sister, yeah. And how close, and, how close in age was she? Um, she's two and a half years older than me, but with her, she was always the youngest one in her class, and then I was one of the older ones in class. So she was a senior in high school while I was a freshman. So when all that wound up like going down, I we weren't like in school with each other anymore because she had already graduated. Ah, damn. That's why you need yeah. that big sister. Yeah. Man. So, I mean, I, like, when you were talking, like, saying, like, did I have friends or anything? It's like, my, my sister was my best friend for when we were actually in high school. So. See, I grew yeah. up, I got an older brother, two years older than me. And, uh-huh. um, like, he would bully the shit out of me. But nobody else was allowed to bully me. And that's kind uh-huh. of the way the unwritten code when you, you like, you got siblings who's like a brother, right? Like, yeah. You come home, you got to have each other's backs. I got a sister who's like six years younger and um, be totally different situation if you're like, like dudes aren't really going to do too much if you got, she's got two older brothers and they're obviously like a lot older. But I don't know what the hell I would do if it's a girl bullying her. Like if you're six years, if I'm 19, she's 13 and some girl's bullying her in the lunchroom. Yeah, Dude, when I was a kid, I always, always, always... Wish I had an older brother for situations yeah, like yeah, this. Please, like, I right. just wanted an older brother to just freaking punk everyone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my, me and my sister are very different. She's like really like calm and collected. She's always had like the same group of friends. And I've just always been outgoing and kind of just like kept to myself. But I mean, that's it's, where the cookie crumbles. It's freaking weird how this happens. And it's all scenario based. Like, it's all like, um, like you could see how in this particular thing in high school where they didn't get, you know, even try to attempt to know you, give you a chance, just decided, bang, it's her. And they start bullying. Yeah. Um, and, you ne- and then you start off on that foot. You can never retract for, for whatever reason. Then another time in life, you see like how many people follow you now on Instagram and consider you a source of inspiration and a whole, the shoe's completely on the other foot. And how quickly things yeah. change like that. Um, it's all about getting off on the wrong foot. I know because um, I have a little sister. So it's different. It feels like a boyfriend situation. You know, it'd be a whole nother. It's different. But when it's girls, yeah. girls and girls. And girls can be mean. Little girls can be this, catty. Like, seriously, yeah. I don't know what it's I mean. It's not even little girls. It's nowadays right now, too. Girls are so freaking catty. Look what? at social media. Like, I mean, with social media, you always see girls bullying other girls and stuff like that still, too. Yeah, and shaming. Were you around? So, how old are you, Tina? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 32. Shut the hell up. I know. You're 32. I am. I just turned 32 last month. Wow, this is good for you. Uh, I mean, Paul looks like he's 10 years older than you. He's yeah. like three years older. Oh, that's, than just, <laughs> that's just because I drink heavily. No, that's yeah, well, that's the lifestyle. And, and don't sleep. That, like, do you drink? Yeah. Because I know Joey doesn't. So we don't, I wouldn't say that I drink, like I have like an occasional glass of wine, but I could literally like count the glasses of wine that I have in a year on my fingers. Oh, damn. So it's, basically, it's usually yeah. just like, um, like an anniversary, birthday, Christmas or something like that. But I won't just like be chilling at home and pop open a bottle of wine or anything. So like when you get engaged and 
Yeah, wow. You and Joey getting engaged. Pop in the I know. Questions. People have been calling me Mrs. Flex for the longest time, Miss, and now they can really call me Mrs. Flex. Mrs. Flex. I know. Yeah, yeah that's big news. Um, yeah. Before we get to, because we'll go all into meeting Joey and the whole nine. So you were saying, though, uh, looking at your story, so you went through that rough patch in, uh -huh. in high school, um, went through like eating disorders, the whole nine. And here's another thing. Like, so what I was going to ask actually was, was, where was social media at when you were going through all this? In terms of time, like, oh, it, it's not yeah. as big. Was it as big then? How old are you? Thank you for asking, first off. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm not 22. I'm 39. Oh, okay. So, um, no, you gotta be surprised. social media Dana, was at like MySpace oh. and LiveJournal. <laughs> I thought it was worse. <laughs> What's that? Social media was at like MySpace and LiveJournal level. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah, Do you remember LiveJournal? I don't remember LiveJournal. I know MySpace. Oh, LiveJournal was before MySpace. Oh, shit. That's yeah, a, that's there was a, a lot of bullying that went on in like LiveJournal and stuff too. Really? But it wasn't anything like how it is right now. So, so I, remember, I remember my little sister all about like ICQ and shit like that. You remember ICQ? ICQ, do you remember now that? Now you're dating yourself. Just Am I dating That's myself a, big time now? I, okay, no, I've literally never even heard of that really? before. But also I remember ICQ. Do you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was, whatever. Uh, it was like an online chat yeah. source. Basically. Interesting. It was like Facebook it's, chat before I Facebook remember chat. like Friendster. No. No, we're losing each other now. There yeah. is a generational gap. There's between. definitely, yeah. and I'm somewhere between. I'm like, I kind of remember this. MySpace is gonna connect us. I remember MySpace. MySpace is huge. MySpace was Facebook before Facebook was Facebook. Yeah. This it had like a wall and everything is kind of different. But the big thing is when you're bullied back in in that time, you can at least go home and get away from it. Whereas kids nowadays, you try to leave bullying, they follow you home, they post pictures, post like, because of social media, if you're that kid getting bullied, and I never had to experience, man, I went to high school in the 90s. We didn't even have yeah. fucking cell phones. If a kid had a cell phone, that's a big deal. Nobody's taking videos of people getting drunk, doing stupid things. So Dude, I, I had a prepaid cell phone, and I remember I thought it was the coolest kid, because <laughs> I would go to like a mall kiosk and get like the colorful buttons. And yeah. you can like change the antennas oh, and they like flash different colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that with the Nokia's. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where you can play snake on that. Yep. Well, parents will give that to you, especially if you have a daughter, to make sure like if ever you need to get on, get home, wherever yeah. the shit you're at, you're, they're going to come for you. If you're a son, you're like, hey, pff, figure it out. That's exactly what I got you, was to figure it out yourself. You sleep in ditches sometimes. Yeah. Like I've had buddies come home shoeless. <laughs> you know it's like what the hell happened to you but he came home and he's like ah shit you made it yeah <laughs> so you got back home okay then we're good we're straight i have to pick you up from the piss yeah, you're just getting like the pat on the back yeah be like good work Congratulations. Yeah. Good you, job. you good survived job. again good got job. home in one piece that's right so these girls bullied you and um it created all one girl it was only one girl really yeah and did she just like get friends to like no, I mean, it was it was literally just her. So we would go to school like early in the morning. I lived kind of far from my school and she got to school earlier than I did. And then she just posted signs all over the school that said, don't feed Tina. And I left that day and I never went back. And she never really like confessed to doing it or anything up until I kid you not like six months ago. What the that's, shit? That's what I wanted to ask is if you've ever actually heard from her again. And she came, so in her 30s, she's in her 30s. Yeah. And is she just like, holy shit, Tina, I got to talk yeah. to you? 
I mean, I'm obviously not going to name any names or anything just because, like, I mean, it was such a long time ago, and I'm, like, friends with people on Facebook, so if this winds up getting out, I don't want to, like, throw her under the bus, even though, I mean, I kind of should, but, um, but, um, yeah, she, I, I kind of, I knew it was her, and I kind of let her back into my life, like, I'd say probably, like, like, six years ago. I had a 26th birthday. Joey didn't exist then. I would get shit-faced hammered back in the day. I don't drink now, but like like six or seven years ago, it, it I went through a really serious phase of like drinking. I lived in Orange County. I lived across the street from the Irvine Spectrum, which is like, you're probably not familiar with that area, but it's like a big outdoor shopping mall where they've got like a bunch of like bars and like adult arcades and stuff like that. But um, that's besides the point. Anyway, she... I. Had a 26th birthday. I invited her to it. She totally ruined it. And then she was going through drug problems and stuff like that, too. And then she wound up going to rehab. And then I guess she just turned a new leaf. And six months ago, she shot me a message on Facebook and asked to go grab lunch. And I was like, you know what? I'm not one to hold grudges. Mm -hmm. So I wound up grabbing lunch with her. She broke down, apologized, and basically told me everything. I'm like, dude, it was such a long time ago. Kids are going to be kids, you know? Yeah. How old were you so, again when this happened? Uh, I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. So and, I was like 16, 17 years old. And besides that, like, so she, besides her doing that, was there anything leading up to that she would do kind of weird or shady? Nothing. Literally nothing. She decided one day and she just put posters all over the high school. Yep. What the and I went to I went to like a Christian high school too, a Catholic high school. So how come the teachers and shit didn't take that down? I mean, they wound up taking it down after the fact, but this was like before school hours. Like mm. school hadn't even like the day hadn't even started yet. Mm. But it's too late because as soon as a couple kids see it, it spreads like wildfire. Yeah. It's oh almost, yeah. It's almost better juicy gossip. If not everybody's yeah. seen it, but you've seen it, you're gonna tell everybody in your class and blah blah oh. blah. So that was it. So as soon as you saw that, you were like mortified and said, mom, yep. mom, I can't go back. Yeah, mom, come pick me up. And then I wound up going to a public school that's pretty local. And I mean, I, I've, so a little bit more of a background story. It's my, my bring, my upbringing is kind of weird. So I'm Iranian, I'm Persian and mm-hmm. I have Muslim parents and I went to a Christian preschool I went to a very, 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 like, fanatical, like, hardcore Christian elementary and middle school. And I was basically force-fed religion from, like, both sides. This is, this is like, they didn't do you any favorites to set you up for bullying. No, <laughs> I, I definitely got screwed in my it's like, it's like, with that. Dad, what the Get, shit? Did her favorites for setting you up to be tougher, though. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and then I went to a Catholic high school, and these were all private schools. And then once this whole bullying thing went down, I wound up leaving. My parents put me in the local public school, and... I, I couldn't I couldn't hack it, man. I was like way too like closed off into tiny little bubbles of like yeah. private schools to be able to hack like a public school that had like six thousand kids in it, you know? Here's the thing too, like if you jump into a high school when these kids have known each other, because um, I went to a public high school and you know most of those kids like you grew up with through like different whatever, yeah. you know, grade yeah. eight, seven, all the way from kindergarten. 
someone trying to jump in um, like halfway through and then not only that, jumping in halfway through when you've already been through some shit. And, and and clicks are already formed. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. it's like you you started out with these people when you were like 12, 13 years old, like cut fresh out of middle school, going into high school. It's like you're it's like it's like mean girls. Yeah, that's exactly it. No, even the most social person, you're putting them in a tough situation. And yeah. you're fresh off of what you just experienced from the other high school. Yeah. That's so, tough. So at that point, I was like two weeks into like the public school and I was like, I can't do it. Like, it was really bad. I was really mentally fucked. So I wound up just doing homeschooling. And then I I was already, like, a loser that was, like, a bookworm and that it sucked to myself. So I wound up actually graduating high school early. And I went straight into college, and I got a degree in business law. A little so. bit of revenge, eh? How you like me now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so at the time, too... So you had, you had, you said your weight was fluctuating. Um, yeah. And, and did it fluctuate again later on as an adult as well? Um, I went, after like dealing with all the eating disorders and everything, I wound up probably going back up to like 130 something. Like, or actually, no, I, I got up to like, yeah, like 130, 140-ish back in like 2010. And then I got into like running. I was literally doing like 15 5Ks and mud runs and tough mudders and like all those things. And then I wound up meeting a firefighter in one of the mud runs that I did. And like we just got to like talking while we were running. And he was just like, hey, this CrossFit gym just opened up. You should come check it out if you like doing events with like obstacles and just like just doing something that'll like challenge you differently. So I wound up going and uh, started doing CrossFit. And then once the lease of my CrossFit was up, we merged with another CrossFit that had a powerlifting team. And I mean, I got super strong doing CrossFit. Like, I mean, 300 plus pound deadlift. And then like my very first powerlifting meet, I competed at 132. This was USPA. Yeah. And um, I wound up pulling like 358 in my first meet. But it was, I was a 132 at the time. Yeah, that's huge. So, wow. And what so year is this? The, my first meet that I did was probably, I think, in 2012, September of 2012. Okay. So you've been doing this for a hot minute. I mean, in comparison to the people that are out there now. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> this is true. This is true. I mean, how many times do you hear people, three years in the game, they're going to the worlds, and it's like, what the shit yeah. is going on here? Dude, that's what sucks about the U.S. Yeah. It's so hard to get to worlds. Yeah. Oh, the U.S. is ridiculous. So you yeah, guys yeah. have, you have to go through the world championships and then you go through the world championships again. That's yeah, actually, basically. It's that it's deep. Crazy. Yeah. It's nuts to think that like, I mean, if you look like the, the 83, like whatever weight class actually. It doesn't matter. Look at the 63 anymore, kilo yeah. women. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like any one of these women of the top four to five could win the world championships. And the top 63s are like either top 57s or we're already top 63s. It's crazy. Yeah. They're yeah. all jacked. I thought about going back up to, because, like, I steadily started coming back down after I super got into powerlifting because I did the 132s and then it was 123s, which it's 125 now for USAPL. But my very first USAPL meet, I did the 57s, 125, and then after that, I've consistently been a 52 ever since. Mm -hmm. And I debated going back up to 57s and it's crazy. Like, if I would have competed at our current nationals as a 57, I wouldn't have even placed. Yeah, it's, 
yeah. it's it's too uber competitive. You well, it's true. Like, where do you run to? Like, you go down a weight class somehow. If you were to go to forty-seven, you've got Heather Connor. Yeah. And like, and and even in, if you look at like the worldwide, that's where. Dude, I would never be able to be a forty-seven. How tall are you, Tina? Five foot nothing. <laughs> five foot on the money. Dead yeah. even on a tall day, five foot. Yeah. Do you have to cut a lot of water weight to make weight? Um, I actually have not done a water cut since 2013 when I actually cut down to the 105 pound weight class in USDA. And how did that go? I should have been in the hospital. Really? So yeah. this was this before you met? Okay, let's not jump ahead too much. I was about to say this because Joey's a big water cutter and um, like he's got his sciences behind water cutting. But um, so if we back it up, you started doing powerlifting, but you also have you're dealing with scoliosis and took some major injuries early on. Yeah. So let's. Talk I mean, about it wasn't it. super early on. It's kind of I guess like middle of where I'm at now. It was in July of 2015. Okay. And what happened with that? Is that to do with the scoliosis? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and why yeah. is that? So for anyone listening, scoliosis is when, um, it's when the spine isn't entirely straight. Is that right? Yeah. And My it, spine is like shaped like an S. And how, or like has, has pretty bad curvature to it. And it, with the load, is it the squats with the load on top of the back that hurts it the most? Or is it the deadlifts? So... My disc herniations didn't actually even wind up happening in training, but I think it truly wound up happening with overuse and using a belt. So if you ever go, if you go on my Instagram and actually look at my deadlifts, I pull beltless and that's because of my scoliosis. Wow. So it's like, I always try to explain to people that wearing a belt, it's something that's trying to keep your body straight. Whereas my body is not designed to be straight because I have scoliosis. So every time I would break the floor on a deadlift, I would already be crooked and the belt would be pulling me the opposite direction. Yeah. So that's kind of like what trashed my back. And when you say trash your back, how bad did it get? Um, I have a five millimeter permanent protrusion in my L5 S1. A three millimeter in my L3 L4 and a two millimeter in my L4 L5. And it's, it's probably worse now because that was a diagnosis I got in 2015. Go ahead. I was going to say, now you said you only, you don't wear a belt for deadlifts. Are you able to wear it for squat? Yeah. Would the same thing happen for squat? Yeah. With the load bearing down on you and you try to like squat straight down, does it jockey you out of position with the scoliosis? And uh, If I ever get three white lights on a squat, it's a it's going to be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> That just means so, you're economical. Yeah, I mean, regardless of whether or not I squat with a belt, my left side is always going to wind up being higher than my right side. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. That can be kind of common regardless yeah. sometimes. I got the same issues, but certainly not as bad because of now, scoliosis. can you balance it out by squatting high bar or low bar, or is it better or worse one way compared to the other? I'm definitely much stronger low bar, but my depth is infinitely better high bar. Just because I'm more upright, and even though I'm five foot nothing, I have I have twenty one and a half inch long femurs. Holy freaking smokes! Yeah, so it's a long way down and it's a long way up. That's why it's like when I deadlift too, I'll never miss a deadlift from the floor. It's always at lockout. 
you're almost like not built for powerlifting, but succeeded oh, I, in spite of. <laughs> I have really long arms too, so it's like, all right, do I want a great deadlift or a great bench? Because I'm kind of screwed. It would be the long arms would help you deadlift, but then the scoliosis kicks in. Yeah. So whoever and it would be really trashy for bench. Yeah, so, so it yeah. doesn't help. Yeah, it's like you know some people just blame everything on genetics. This yeah. is like the total opposite type of story. You've succeeded in spite of. Yeah. So when about did you, when did you meet Joey? Um, our anniversary is October of 2013. And how did you meet Joey? That's a funny story. We actually <laughs> met on Instagram. Uh-oh. And that's before DMs even existed. So I found Joey through the powerlifting hashtag. It was literally a month after his very first powerlifting meet. And I saw him, and I was like, damn, that guy's hot. <laughs> and I went and I spam-liked his stuff on Instagram because DMs weren't a thing back yeah. then. So you were sending signals? The... Yeah. What? Was that you sending the signal right there? Spam-liking all his pictures and stuff? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I spam-liked his stuff, and then he came back to my page and kind of spam-liked my stuff. And then when I went to his profile, his full name was on his profile, and then I found him on Facebook. Uh oh! And then I met him on yeah. Facebook Messenger. So we started chatting on there because, like I said, DMs weren't a thing. And then, like, uh, like ten days later, we went on a frozen yogurt date, and he taught me about macros, and oh, he made shit. it a very important point to say that he saved macros. So that he could have a pound of the chocolate froyo with me that night. This is such a power lifter date. Yeah, no shit. This is the meat. Powerlifter bodybuilder yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. At that time, like Joey was shredded. Like he was He was also competing in USPA. He was competing in the 90 kilo weight class. He literally cut one pound to make the 198 weight class. I remember um, you posting. You like kind of fat shaming Joey, being like, he pulled the switcheroo on me. This is what he looked like when I started dating him, and he. Fucking abs, Mr. Watcher, girl. Guy looked like Charlie Dixon out there. And yeah. You, and so this is around 2013. And was Joey, was he a bodybuilder or powerlifter at the time? Joey was actually prepping for a bodybuilding show, no but shit. never actually did it. Thank God. And this, yeah, right? <laughs> um, so he had literally just come off his very first powerlifting meet, like a month prior to... Um, my finding him on Instagram. Oh, so you knew Joey before he was Joey Flex. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I knew Joey when he was Joey Flex. Because he was a bodybuilder and that's why he's Joey Flex. Yeah. Does all but, make sense um, now. When we went on our frozen yogurt date, he was telling me that he was doing another meet like a few weeks after that, like three hours away. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just invite myself to this. I'll do the meet with you too. Oh. So like... I wound up doing the meet with him. We drove three hours there, drove three hours back, got a hotel. I wound up winning Best Lifter. He wound up winning Best Lifter. We went to Cheesecake Factory, and he asked me to be his girlfriend that night. Oh, <laughs> this is like this is such a meathead story. It is. This is this is the ultimate, the rom com meathead for us. So. How did this end up progressing into what it is? Because you guys have really together built, you know, such a strong team brand recognition. I mean, the Joey Flex, everybody recognizes the Flex symbol. 
Um, and yeah. I know in the background you've done like so much in terms of like, I remember reading one of your posts with like handling numbers and merchandising and helping it. I mean, it's getting so big, it's, it can't be done by one person. Um, oh, so, it can be. Oh, it's being done by two people because I'm still handling all that stuff. Yeah. So, so, so I it, mean, it's it's tough, but I mean, dude, we love what we do. Like Joey coaches over a hundred athletes. I coach like 25 athletes, and then we have our apparel stuff, and then we um, travel to so many meets. We wind up going to the Arnold. We go to nationals. We go to collegiate nationals. Um, so I would, and we went to IPF worlds to Canada. Yeah. So it's like, we travel like at the minimum, like four or five times a year. And most of the time, half of those meets, we are also competing in. How, how, so, did, how did this grow to what it is? I know a lot of people, so a lot of people come into the game and a lot of like almost brands and, and super teams. This is honestly the era of the super team. I remember beforehand, um, like you started in 20, 2012 and I started 2008 and there wasn't like super teams when I started. And I don't even think there still was, maybe not even when you started, we were, or maybe slightly starting to, but it wasn't like it is now. Like now it feels like there are huge super teams and they're brands. We have like logos made. Previously, if you had a team, it was like a team of people, but they're not like well branded. They don't have like the team, the team itself has a following. You'll have people buy, whether it's a flex t-shirt, RTS t-shirt, and they're not even like coached by them. They're just hopping yeah. on a brand. Yeah. Like this is getting to the point where it's like people root for teams like a, like a fucking sports franchise. Like it's a basketball team. They're not even on and then it's all good, but they just like the athletes on it. Like, Oh, I love yeah. Russell Lori. I love Sean Noriega and Tino Tornado. So they rocked the, the shirt. So like, that's why it's so interesting to see it develop. Like from my angle, having seen like these brands develop, but um, how did this all start with all this branding? When you guys started from that date at the yogurt shop, to taking on clients and then working the t-shirts and then you started building more and more people? Well, we didn't even have flex training systems when we started dating. So, I mean, when I met Joey, he was a personal trainer at LA Fitness. Ah, okay. So, I mean, we he just started coaching people and then more people started coming through and then it really blew up after John Hack won world championships. And I remember Joey coming back from that and like, he called me and he's like, my emails are lit right now. <laughs> and I feel like that probably got the ball rolling. And then, um, more people just started coming. And then what, with the apparel stuff, it wound up just starting to grow because we wound up getting so many athletes that were just nationwide that people like, it was just word of mouth mm -hmm. and we wound up yeah. getting more athletes in. And then like, they'd be like, Oh, well they have girlfriends or boyfriends that Joey coaches and they wanted to rep the flex apparel while they were competing. And then now, like I would say probably like at least half the orders that we wind up shipping out are people that we don't even coach. Yeah. yeah. So, Do you tailor your business that, now? That, like the merchandise side of things to that? Like Say that one more time. I said, do you tailor like the merchandise side of your business now to that idea though, knowing that so many people just want to rep your brand or is the bread um, and butter still the really. I mean, we literally haven't even changed our logo and that's literally the only design that we even have on the shirts. 
And I mean, we're, we're talking about trying to get like more designs and stuff like that. Like one of our guys that lives in Arizona wound up making a shirt for like a handful of us. And a lot of people showed interest in that. So we might wind up doing like different logo stuff. Like LS has so many different things. And so many people wind up like repping his brand too, just like with different logos and slogans and stuff like that. But I mean, we just really just have like a basic t-shirt and then we just did like different styles with that same logo. We just have like the girls, we have like racerbacks and then we have the jersey tanks and then baseball tees. And a couple times a year, what I really take pride in doing that I make it a little bit more special for the people that want to rep the brand is twice a year we wound up doing special custom orders of the hoodies where we give them like 40 different color options to choose from and then they could kind of build their own sweatshirt however they want with like the color of the ink and the color of the sweatshirt but that winds up being like a pre-order thing that we only do a couple times a year looking at this now and this turned into like a huge business obviously um, like the day you guys started dating, you're, when you go to that to have a yogurt, Joey's talking about those macros he saved for you. Um, you obviously had no idea what was like, it was going to turn into this. Oh, well, totally not. Not at all. Leading into, leading up to the John Hack situation. I remember Joey, after, after John won the Worlds, I remember Joey posting um, a screenshot of this email and it was John reaching out to Joey saying, hey... Um, I, I'm really interested in your coaching. If you got time, you're so humble too, right? And neither one of them knew, hey man, you guys are about to fucking blow up together and make some huge no. history, but hey, if you got some time, I would love to get some coaching from you, etc. And as the big showdown between Hack and Gibbs approached, did you and Joey realize the hype that was building? I remember at the time I was running the um, IPF Instagram and I was posting side-by-sides of those guys on the regular. And Joey took pictures of, of those two face-to-face showing down and like the hype building for the hack. Even, even SBD took pictures of them like two boxers staring each other down. The hype was so deep. When I was commentating for that world championship, um, for every single, like right now, it's standard protocol. It starts with me and the microphone saying, thank you, coming to you live. We have the 105 men and we're expecting, and I give an intro of what we're gonna watch. For the very first time ever, they said, six pack, we want you to do an intro for this 83 kilo showdown because it's it's got so much hype on it. This has gotta happen. Like it changed the game. This showdown changed the game. Like I'm serious. Even from social media, the way the IPF handled it and everyone else did, to the live stream. And, and then what it ended up doing for you guys and your brand is boom goes the dynamite. Leading up to that, did you guys realize what was about to happen? Did you realize this could be a huge deal for us? Um, we knew it was a big deal, but we didn't think it was gonna blow up to what it did. And even up until now, I don't think there's been a bigger like no. IPF showdown no, than no, no, no. no that two. was. Let's be real. Even, like, I don't want to call it a jerk saying this, but I really wanted to see like a crazy hype showdown between Russ and Gibbs. But I still don't think it was as big as the showdown between Hack no. do you think and Gibbs. Do you think we're going to get that though, this Worlds? With the 83s? Yeah, between Russell and Gibbs. This time it could be. This Look at Russell just hit, set, he didn't just hit, he hit 700 with a squat, which is fucking ridiculous. And then he yeah. pulled 720. Now Gibbs, Gibbs... Dudes, he's a stud. He's a goat in 83, I would say, right now. 
Um, but Russell, what Russell's doing, I mean, it's it's like nobody. I can't believe an eighty-three kilo is hitting seven hundred in the gym and squat. And Gibbs, yeah, it's for, crazy. for as good as Gibbs this is, this sport has blown up. Well, you got in the freaks, last few years. The freaks have come out. The freaks have yeah. come out. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with, like, when events happen, like Gibbs and Hack, and people get excited. And you see on the on the YouTube, some people got, like, half a million views because some people edit up the showdown and just show the showdown with music in the background. Half a million views on the, some of these YouTube videos. So people who are casual gym guys are going to be seeing this. You'll see, like, a Russell Lower who's in the bodybuilding, sees a video, comes across, like, huh, let me, I wonder. Reaches out to Joey Flex, and next thing you know, here we go again. And it just snowballs, and people come into yeah. it. But, like, leading into that world, like, did you guys, did you feel the pressure? Did Joey and you have, like, a holy shit, this is getting really big moment? One of my biggest regrets is actually not going to that IPF world. Oh, you were there? in Texas. Oh, my I didn't God. go to it. Oh, Tina. I know. And, like, I was, I was sitting at home and watching the live stream with some of my friends. Dude, that last deadlift. Yeah. Forgives. Yeah, I know. I almost had a heart attack. Yeah, he. It, it's, because I thought he was gonna lock it out. Same. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, everything about it was so bizarre. Like Johnny Candido at the time came in, and we're like, "Let's have a guest come in." You know, it was everything about it was a bizarre situation, and um, and the hype around it. Like I felt like the room. B- besides that, it wasn't. Like it was a standard operating procedure. That day, like standing room only, all the other lifters showed up to watch that showdown happen. And then yeah. afterwards, immediately everybody was like, Joey Flex, Joey Flex, I remember that. And Joey Flex, coach of the year. And it just blew up after that. Did you, were you guys before that, did you have like the brand established with the t-shirts and everything? Or was that kind of after that happened? Um... I don't remember. I don't. I don't think we even had the apparel at that time yet. And if we did, it was extra, extra minimal. Yeah. Like now we have like, like full blown like neat t-shirts and stuff too. And like even when John did the U.S. Open, we had wound up getting like custom team hack shirts and stuff made. Is it is is like the money for merch, um, almost as much as money for coaching now? Is it still far more for coaching? Oh no way. Coaching still. Like to be more. honest with you. Me and Joey don't even make any profits off of the shirts. We strictly use it for marketing. Okay. Okay. But, yeah. Do you ever wonder no what would have happened was. had Gibbs actually locked out that deadlift? How things would have changed? Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. What a, what a, what a, what a question. Yeah. That was a hard, what's this guy? It's just 60 it's, minutes it's over just here. It's just curious when you start thinking yeah, about you know how what? much it I never even thought moment. about that. Uh, like, that I, is... wonder, I wonder if we would have gotten the same type of feedback. If he would have lost Not a it chance. Out. Not a chance. There's no way. That was, you won the biggest showdown in IPF yeah. history. You guys won the biggest showdown period. There's no yeah. way it could have been the same. It's just such an interesting moment when you start looking at it like retrospectively. Let me, like let, that. Let me fuck with your head even more. Oh what if, boy. What if you wake up tomorrow and this is all a dream and you did lose? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you, it would be. You'd leave Joey right there. You'd be like, fuck no, this, I'm starting fresh. Never. I'm starting fresh. I would never. <laughs> Tina, tornado t-shirts coming out. Have a tornado running around the front. Fuck this. Dude, so many people have been telling me to do it. And I'm like, man, I don't think I have uh, I don't think I, I have the type of following that that would garner any benefit to doing shirts like that. How did you get the Tina Tornado nickname? Because that's a dope. You guys got really Thanks. good nicknames, too. Like, 
Rogue Joey Flex just fucking it's it should be his last name. It's like those I, boxers who I changed. I honestly their, thought it was his last name. It should, I don't want to hear his last fucking name used. But um, and Tina Tornado my, my is name, perfect. My Tina Tornado nickname actually came from my CrossFit days because I was so competitive in CrossFit that my my coach wound up like calling me Tina Tornado because he said I was a tornado. I would come in, I would fuck shit up and leave. You go, that's, you go, that's literally how my nickname came about. That's a pretty about, good explanation behind it. And it you, just kind of stuck. Because as a tornado, I fuck shit up. I leave my weights everywhere. You fucking leave. <laughs> leave my I, leave. People, people just, at the gym actually give me, like, I actually give people at the gym a lot of heat for, like, not putting their shit back. Okay. okay. But, I got you. I feel you. Yeah. But that's a pretty dope. Honestly, I think you could probably move some t-shirts. Tina Tornado is a pretty, you guys are very well branded. You got, do you, I should, appreciate that. Do you guys, so does Joey have a marketing background? But did you go to school for marketing as well with this? Um, my degree is in business law, so I have a business administration with a minor in business law. But, I mean, I took like a generic marketing class, but not anything that would carry over to something like this. And as you guys sort of... I truly attribute the sales that we have to Joey's following and Joey's coaching abilities. Well, it's not only, like, it's that too, as well as though... I don't know, there's something about, like, there's a team atmosphere with it. Like, um, well, first off, Sean, how, how did you guys end up meeting Sean Noriega, who's, like, as loyal a soldier as you're going to find? Yeah. <laughs> Sean, we, we call Sean our firstborn son. That's right. He was, yeah. like, Joey's first client. What? For real? Yeah, Sean's, Sean was Joey's first client, I think. Right, Joey? I had other clients that were local that were controlled, but Sean was, like, my first um, like first really true dedicated. dedicated powerlifting client. Wow. Cause Joey used to private train people, but it was like Joey's first like hardcore loyal powerlifting client. And was this an like on- he came, he came to Joey with like a 315 bench. Oh shit. And was yeah. this, a, was this online that he came to Joey? Yeah. Because what? Sean is on the East coast. And what year was that? What year did Sean come to you? Four years ago. Four years ago? Oh, wow. It's going back to... Oh, November of 2014. Because I remember all, like, the memes when um, uh, John came over, like, John Hack came over and after he won the Worlds, and Sean Noriega's making all these memes, like, John on stage, and he's in the crowd watching and shit like that. Like, it was the Oscars or whatever, and he was having some fun with it. And then, um, how about Russell Orhe when he came on the team? Because it seems like... The way your team is so like um, is so well branded in terms of social media and everything, and it just attracts. It's a po- positivity attracts positivity. Yeah, right? it's got like a wholesome family sort of approach to. Yeah, and it seems fun though. It seems. Like- oh, dude, we have a blast when we go to meets. You- I have more fun hanging out with people than actually doing anything that's lifting related. Do people fly down and hang out with you guys? So with us specifically. Like like of your clients, it seems like. Like, like, did Orhi show up? Like, one week, it seems like we see you guys in your... Oh, in- Russ always comes out here to lift with us. No shit. Russ is here a lot. I mean, we've we've had a good a good chunk of people come out and, like, train and lift, lift with us. But, I mean, we also live in L.A., man. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's not like you live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You fly yeah. in, you're going to have things like, to do. I mean, yeah, I mean, if we lived in the middle of nowhere, then I, I don't know... If as many people would come, but we, we have a good amount of people that come to, to lift with us. And Joey always gets messages of people like, Hey, if I, if I come out to, to the gym, will you like 
watch me, like critique me or whatever. And if people come through, they come through. Has there ever been a situation where someone's, some people push you a little too much and there's a little bit of boundary issues? As far as what? Just people, maybe, because you guys are very accessible and, and you're out there. Everyone knows what gym you're at. And um, some people might be watching you every single day, feeling like they know you better than they know you. Just call it out. Anybody been too creepy? Is there, is there people getting a little too, is there people who get too creepy, show up, and kind of, like, yeah, boundary issues in that regard? I don't think we've ever experienced anything like that. To be honest, I don't think so. I've had people before where I've, I've gone to, like, powerlifting meets before, and they'll literally, like, take a selfie and I'll, like, be in the background. And, like, two minutes later, they'll, like, post it on Instagram and tag me on it. And I'm like, why don't you just come and actually take a picture of me? Rather than be weird and just have me in the background. That's, even... I mean, that, that's happened, like, three or four times before at, like, local meets and stuff. Yeah. I, was... but, I mean, aside from that, I don't think we've ever really experienced anything, like, weird, like, fanboys or fangirls or anything, thankfully. And, and, and how did you guys end up uh, bumping into or coming across Russell Lorhey? Uh, Russ, I, that's, that's a Joey question. Joey, do you want to come over here? <laughs> Joey's working right now. He was, like, he knew Sean and Sean knew him, and then I bumped into Russ at the Arnold in the bathroom. Uh, Can you hear him? Yeah, yeah. He, he bumped into him in the bathroom. See what, at the Arnold. And he seen I what he was working, he, he seen what he was working on. It's referred to the team. I didn't know. Yeah, Sean referred him to the team. Oh, did he? Okay. You know, the cool thing about social media is you put up energy. And you can draw that energy back to you. So, uh, I guess, you know, the people that we have on the team, they just vibe with the energy that we put out. And, and they get they come on and they get along. And now, Sean and Russ are boys. Yeah, and now... Yeah, they're really competitive, but they're really close, too. Like, they talk every day. Do they? Wow, I didn't know that. Because on social media, it's almost like they're frenemies. Because they push each other, oh, right? Yeah. From a competitive standpoint, it's like we know it's not actually enemies. That's one thing I love about USAPL. Like, the people who are competitive with each other are so really close with each other. Yeah. No, I think, not, and you, not on me day, though. Yeah. Well, no. I, I can see that. Unless you're Eli Burke. It's a, yeah, unless Eli Burke, who, who cheers. Eli is like the coolest, like, Did you, he's just so friendly. Dr. Eli Burke. Dr. Dr. Eli Burke. And it's funny because when I made the poster for the podcast episode of him, I was like, the monster returns to the IPF. And he's like, oh. But when we had him on the podcast, the guy's like, we're recalling, I think, was it when he won the Worlds it or, was, or Nationals? No, it was when he won the Worlds in 2016. And he was, yeah, and he said, I was like, what were you thinking when um, Scream Emmanuel had, this is Texas, when your boy Hack won, when Scream Emmanuel had the winning deadlift and it came out of his hands and he literally took off the platform, head in his hands crying. It was hard, man. I watched, I felt for Screamer. And I was like, what were you thinking when you watched that? There must have been a different situation. He's like, no, I felt really bad for him. I felt like it was his day. I thought, oh, damn, that I wish he would have won. We're like, yeah, what he's the like, shit are you talking about? Like, you just won the world it. I wanted him to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's like the ultimate nice guy. I've never Dude, heard someone those, say that. that last deadlift still get you. Yeah. It, yep. it's, it's rough. Especially, it's, it seems to me more 50-50 if you're sumo at the top, if there's a bobble. Would you say that's fair? 
There's a lot of people that, and I mean, I can't think specifically of the actual people that do this, but there's a lot of people that wind up pulling sumo, but they pull it like a conventional. Like their knees don't lock out correctly. So if your knees are not locked out when the weight is higher, it's, you're not locking it out. Yeah, yeah. And there's also like, the more, so, I mean, the thing with sumo, there's so many different variations of sumo. There's like the way like deadlift panda deadlifts it. We just got a lot of back in the sumo despite being a sumo puller. And then there's other deadlifters like um, Verzbecki from Poland, Sean Noriega, where they're very spread out. And so yeah. your hips are That's closer to the bar. That's definitely a stance issue. Well, not an issue. It's yeah. whatever works for you. Exactly. Yeah. Levers wise. And so it's so like diff many yeah, different you variables. See, you see Wilson do it all the time. Yeah. And Wilson talked right. about it. Also, where he's like, um, for my levers, it works best, and my hips are closest. Depending on the bar. And, well, there's a lot of variables like that. Exactly. The bar can change things. Because you know what happened in my nationals last year, right? No. No. He bombed. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah what no, happened with him? Yeah, okay, yeah. That. I thought this. I didn't know the direction you are taking us. Yeah, yeah. Seen that. Yeah, I mean, he went, he went from pulling. I don't know what it is in Texas, but they actually pull on, like, Texas power bars and if you're going from a Texas power bar to hitting an Aleko on the platform good freaking luck to you Especially so he wound up he wound up pulling big in a local meet and then unfortunately bombed that national with with so. you guys and you had a hell of a comeback story from there with you guys yeah. having um this this team that you guys have and the coaching staff you have what would be your advice for people listening if they were looking for a coach You need to find a coach that you vibe with. And depending on the person's personality, I think that's going to make a big difference with like the type of coach that you have. Because some people want coaches that are like really, really professional. And some people want coaches that are also your friend. Mm. So, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of hit or miss. Like, I mean... You just have to find a coach that your personality vibes with. I think that's the most um, important thing. Because if you wind up getting someone that wants someone like really, really professional, like weekly emails, like weekly check-ins, like really nice spreadsheets with notes and stuff like that, then you need to find a coach that does their coaching like that. But like personally for me, like I consider myself a professional coach, but like the majority of all of my communication is all done through Facebook Messenger. The only emails that I have with people are just sending like the email spreadsheet and that's it. So, I mean, that that's my that's my biggest advice is find a coach that you are personal personality-wise compatible with. Mhm. Mm I, yeah. I I remember um, like full disclosure for anybody listening. So Joey prepped me is actually for my the best meet I ever had. So there's a Tip of the hat to the nice. flex squad. But, um, I Where'd you go then? Going... Why are you still here? Uh, wow, throw me on the spot. See how it swings around? Yeah, I was about to say, that's, uh, why but, are you still there? But, um, uh, I remember I had a really rough cut, and Joey was thinking, so first he was messaging, then he was like, fuck it. Instead of messaging, called up on uh, Facebook, but I was already in the bath, I didn't pick up. So he's leaving voicemail messages, and that's the type of, like, extra thing where, like, um, some coaches won't. Like, you know, it's, and there is a difference between if you think you need like just 
in terms of like messages or if you think I got to hop on the horn and talk some talk to somebody. If, if things are going yeah. sideways, sometimes you need that. And it's kind of like everybody's a little bit different, like you said, and situations are different, like you said, right? So you kind of got to get a vibe to it. Do you find you have to like change your coaching style, giving a different different type of athletes? Because you have quite a few now under your belt. Yeah, I mean, I have like, I have 25 athletes that I coach. Some of them, I have to give them like full directional emails. But the majority of them, I'm very lucky. Um, they're great with Facebook Messenger. I feel like it's just like an easier way to be able to revert back to conversations. It's an easy way yeah. to send videos. And one thing that me and Joey really pride ourselves on with how we run the flex coaching stuff is we don't do like weekly check-ins. Like if you need us, we're there. Like send us a message, send us a video and like, we don't have any limits or restrictions as to when you can contact us. So that I think is one thing that is really good with how we handle our coaching because I've also seen coaches that are like, Hey, you can send me like three feedback videos a week and like three messages and that's all you get me for the week. But for us, like I could give someone like a four by six on training and they'll send me all four of their videos and I'll give them feedback and actually watch all four of their videos. And I feel like it's really rare now to have coaches that do that. And that's something that me and Joey definitely take the time to do. What do you prefer? What do you get the most out of training? Um, Because we've mentioned some of the bigger names that have come through the team. But do you get more off of training somebody at the top or does it mean – just as much or maybe sometimes more when you take somebody super fresh. Like, I mean, you're the first and you walk them into that big monumental, whether it's first time splitting 400 Willocks, forfeit, whatever it is. I mean, I've had lifters, like I had a 74 lifter. He was 17 who came to me, never had a nine for nine meet, like, didn't think he would ever get to the top. Like you look up his name in the database and he has meets where he's gone like four for nine or five for nine. And like, I really coached him and hammered out his technique, made sure he hit depth, made sure he paused his benches, made sure his shoulders were back on deads and everything. And I coached him at nationals. He won the 74s for the teens. He unfortunately aged out of the world championship. So he couldn't go to IPF worlds, but it's just like, it's taking lifters like that, that you wind up getting people that don't have a ton of confidence in their lifting and just showing them what to do. And then having a nine for nine PR total winning your nationals types of lifters that that that's what I love the most about coaching What's is taking them obviously to a level that they didn't know that they were even capable of. When you coach somebody, do you ever get into like the mental aspects with people? Like when people start, maybe actually, you know what? It might not even just be like newer lifters. Even if you've been doing it 10 years, if it's a big showdown, you're going to get nervous. Do you ever oh, get into... That's, I don't care how many times you've lifted. If you genuinely tell me that you're not nervous on meet day, you're lying. It means you don't care. Yeah. Which is scary. If, if, you don't, if you're not nervous, then you probably don't give a shit what you're doing and you got to rethink True. what you're doing. Like it's it's... And nerves aren't a bad thing. Adrenaline helps. Like nervousness creates adrenaline. But um, having been around there for a while and been in these big meets and seen these big showdowns, do you ever, like, do you ever, are you play the role of stepping in there and do like mental sight, like sports psychology with some of your athletes? Oh, for sure. You have to. Yeah. Well, some people don't. You have to. Some people, some coaches aren't, like, some coaches might say, yeah, I would, but they're not 
they don't even realize they're not approachable. It's easy to say. If, if that's the case, then, then they're not emotionally invested in their athletes. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I actually find that I get more worked up when I'm handling somebody in a meet day than I do for my own lifting these days. So, so oh, that handling lifters and going through the stress of handling lifters is way more difficult than doing the actual lifting. Yeah, yeah. you think so, right? Even right down to oh, watching a PR or something happens, like that. Like, like I mean, that's what happens to me at nationals. I was really stupid. A mistake that I will never make again. Like I had my greatest training cycle this last nationals, and I wound up not hitting a PR total because I. It was my first year where I actually had a full year of coaching athletes. And I felt obligated, and it was my duty to take care of my lifters on meet day. Yeah. So I was in the prime time, and I lifted in the prime time after handling four lifters and waking up at 6 in the morning. Oh, wow. By the time I got to Wayne's, I had already taken 14,000 steps, and I had two lifters oh. that gave me heart attacks because I had one lifter that got called on depth on his first two squats. So I was about to freaking jump out the window by his third one, which yeah. he thankfully got it because I was like, this is it. Like Even you just, have to get this, or there is no me. Yeah. Even just the amount of adrenaline. So I had you a massive panic attack during his session. Meanwhile, I had another lifter. Shout out to my boy Keenan. He is like he's my firstborn. He came to me with a one ninety eight bench, and now he benches two eighty one. Oh, but um, he's a seventy four. He, for whatever reason, we're still trying to dial it down. I think we figured it out cramps on meat day even though he doesn't do water cuts so i think he just has a high sodium diet and then he just cuts out sodium the last like couple days and because his body's acclimated to that and he hasn't had sodium when it comes to meat day he winds up cramping yeah and he hadn't even started warming up yet and he was cramping so bad <laughs> that he was, he was gonna open his squat with 182 and a half 402 and he cramped so bad that we dropped his open heart to 226. Holy smokes. So 102.5. Someone get this guy a banana. Yeah. It, it, we tried. It didn't work. Yeah. So banana and some salt he packages. Wound up, he wound up smoking 226 so fast that he got called on death. Because it was just, yeah. It was then not. on his second one, we were just like, screw it. If you're literally only going to be benching that little on, on meat day, then... You don't deserve a total. <laughs> and, um, he, you deserve to bomb out if you can't we hit jumped, this. We jumped from 226 to 319, so 145. Holy shit, And I straight up told them, I was like, look. Get your shit together. We're going to the wall right now. You smoke 145. You got a squat under your belt. And I'm going to run to the warm-up room. We're going to load 369. And then we're loading a PR on your third squat. <laughs> he smoked 319. I ran downstairs, which, I mean, did our national setup for how the warm-up room and how the platforms was awful this year. Because there was literally an entire flight of stairs between the warm-up room and the platforms. Yeah, that's what I heard. So I sprinted downstairs. I loaded 369, ran upstairs, loaded a PR on his third, and he got it. Wow. Just need so, that pep talk. I mean, eh? that... Just my whole point to this is I expended so much emotional energy and physical energy into my athletes on that meet day that I wound up just my my meat was washed. For people, I mean, granted, it was my my lifters on that day were more important to me than my own lifting. 
So here's, for people who don't know, if you're listening and you, you don't realize if you haven't been there and handled, even like commentating, like I don't just commentate monotone, if you, like you've seen the worlds obviously. So like I, I get into it. Like it is, oh, huge lifts, everybody's on. Like you gotta sell the action. And um, yeah. I- That's I, a lot of energy expenditure. All damn day for two weeks, every day. Tina, I don't get it. I don't get a session off. When it's 74 year old women, I'm the dude doing it. They get the same dude. So um, like two weeks out and for the next two weeks right up until the open. And then in 2017, I lifted at the Worlds and I had like nothing. And I know what you mean where you're just like, well, this is going to be a shitty day. Yeah. And it just kind of is what it is. Um, I know Joey had mentioned before, and I don't know if you've had to do the same now. You might be approaching this where he's come to a meet and basically said, I am going to have to pick whether I'm going to be a coach or, or whether I'm gonna be an athlete, and one of them's going first, and one of them's gonna suffer, and for Joey, he's like, I made my bed, and I'm gonna be a coach. But you, you in particular, are like, this close to, to breaking through, and God knows. Like, you, you, you become US national champ? We're, we're talking, if you win nationals, you can win worlds. So for Dude, you, is it too soon? It, it's is so it too heartbreaking soon? to me. Joey, Joey still gives me heat. The live stream wound up cutting off just because um, I think there's like an hour long window yeah, yeah. on that. We could redo. We could redo one sec here. If you want to share yours, I can share. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not a big deal. Okay. I mean, a lot of people were complaining about the echo and stuff like that on the live video too. I don't know why. Uh, probably live stream. No, we'll leave yeah. it off. Okay. Um, to this day, I'm still freaking kicking myself for handling my lifters. I love that I handled my lifters and I'm really glad that they had a great experience. They all wound up hitting PRs and in, in their lifts. But um that was the year that I could have freaking taken it, man. Like, but when it came down to the third deadlift, I had to I mean I wouldn't have had it anyway because I missed 402, but I had to make a promise to Chad that I wasn't gonna put in a fast change to try and beat Marissa mm. like and I mean obviously as a competitor you don't ever want to do that like I mean I, I was stupid for doing that but I mean it was something that wasn't going to wind up being there anyway so I just gave him my word but I mean I had to scratch my third squat because my quad cramped so bad just from like not eating not staying hydrated taking so many steps during the day and I never cramped like, literally, it was the first time I'd ever experienced a cramp in my life when it came to lifts. So I had to scratch my third squat. But, man, if I would have gotten that third squat, I, I would have pulled for the win 100%. Because I had I'd squatted um, 142.5 in training. And all things considered, it should have been there. I, had, I squatted 303 on my second. Mm -hmm. But... It is what it is. I mean, my I, I like to keep my legs all in one piece. So yeah. I just, I, I wound up putting in a number for my third and then I scratched it. I was like, my quad's not getting bigger, but, or better. But I mean. Do, do you think in the future then, would you handle anybody like even, you know, it's not even day of, even day before, day before, like it's a fucking tough week. Luckily. Which Luckily, you're like, because your weight class is lower down, you're sooner in the week. But if you have masters, juniors. But, but for prime time, it doesn't matter because it's going to be at nighttime anyway. 
Oh, do they, oh, they condense it? Is that how it's done, eh? They take, um, I don't know what the exact breakdown of it is, but I want to say they this year they took, I think, the top five of each weight class to do the prime time, whereas, um, or the top ten. Eight to ten. Joey says top eight to ten. But previously they were taking, like, the top two percent of each weight class, competitive-wise, and then they just turned it into, like, a big showdown. So, I mean... Not to toot my own horn, but it's going to break down to me and Marissa always being in the prime time. So, I mean, regardless of it being earlier in the week, it's always going to wind up being at night. So it's not really going to make a difference when it comes to, like, only, hydration and food and stuff like that. Only for one day, though. So after you're done, because you're probably going to always be on the first day as well, right? And that's up to the meat directors. I assume, because well, for all we know, super heavyweights can start off next year. I mean, it's just what, however way the, they, they break it down. I, don't th I think it's always been you start small and go bigger in terms of weight classes. It, it depends on, like, our nationals, for example, it's all over the place. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I know that's the meat director, however they want to do their scheduling. Yeah. I thought it was always lighter and then heavier. Mm-mm. No. Because at the IPF world, it's always been that way, and it's actually. I think sick. I think it's an I think it's an IPF rule, but I think on different levels, uh, it's up to the meat directors that do it. Gotcha. So yeah. then, when you make your decision next year, what what are you thinking? Are you thinking I'm not handling anybody day of, and then after you lift, I turn on my coach's hat and I handle. Yeah, probably. That's probably what it's going to be, unless like. Um, I don't know if they, I don't remember if they gave us the option for it for our last nationals or not, but I know that the previous year they gave you the option as to whether or not you wanted to lift in the prime time. So I'd still put up the same total, but then I could maybe lift earlier in the day and then um, that's and then just not be in the prime time. Yeah, I mean, some people just don't want to be in the prime time. They would rather just get it done with earlier in the day. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not like it's really going to make a difference because regardless of whenever me and Joey lift, we're always going to have, we have lifters in literally every single weight class. Mm -hmm. So even if I lift earlier in the day, there's probably another 52 that I coach that I'm going to wind up missing their platform time too. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, when it comes to that, like, I mean, obviously if I'm lifting while I'm lifting, I'm not going to go try and handle other lifters, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, I don't think it's really going to make a difference as far as whether or not I wind up coaching people Unless I fully committed to, um, actually, no, there's really no other time. There's no way that I'd be able to, unless I chose to screw myself again. <laughs> so, like, but I guess you do have Joey who could take over handling jobs. You got each other's back, but then Joey's going to oh, get fucked. <laughs> dude, me and Joey had 40 lifters competing at our nationals this year. Oh 40. God. How do you guys, do, is it just the two of you handling? Man, yeah. that How is that is intense. Like, I mean, it, it's just me and Joey that are calling numbers, and then whatever time that we do have available, we're in the warm up room. But I mean, this this last year was rough. Like, I mean, nowadays, like every single time me and Joey go to meet and handle lifters and everything, we always come home and get sick. We're always yeah. sick yeah. because we just expend so much energy and are around so many people. But, I mean, as far as calling numbers and being the actual coaches, it's always me and Joey. I mean, if other lifters had lifted earlier in the week, they're usually down there with the rest of the team helping us, like, warm up and stuff like that. 
But as far as like actual handlers on the platform, it's always only me and Joey. Do you guys offer meet day handling packages as well for lifters that show up, not necessarily clients, but need someone to, to handle them? Uh, it's hit or miss on the meet. It just depends because like, I mean, if something like that were to have come up on this nationals, we already have our plates so full that, I mean, we, we can't take on any more than what we are, what we already have. And do you guys like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around like, do you meet with everybody and talk about their 40 people? Like you sent out emails with their attempts and stuff, get it back and know what everybody wants. Like the, the week of the meet, all of the lifters have their attempts. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we just, when we go there on meet day, it's just calling audibles. Like, okay, that moved slower than we would have anticipated. We're going to take a smaller jump on the third. But, I mean, typically the way that we do our numbers is the week of the meet, they already have their numbers, and their seconds and thirds are usually just, like, two and a half to five kilos apart. We give them gauges. But openers are always set in stone. Mm -hmm. unless, so, we're very big advocates of it's not where you start, it's where you finish. That's right. So your openers are your openers. I don't care if your warm-ups are feeling good. All right, you take a bigger second or a bigger third, but... That's See, the openers I, are your openers. It kills me when people brag about what they open. I'm planning on opening with this this time. Who gives a shit? Like in the end, everyone's like, "What was your total?" Not, "What was your opener?" Yeah. I've never heard any. Yeah. No one's ever asked me in ten years of lifting, "What was your opener?" Unless Would you open? Unless yeah. you're planning going three for nine with all PRs. On exactly. Your first exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like you never hear people bragging about going three for nine. And they set themselves up when they start bragging about what they're gonna. Oh, I'm gonna open like. I'll probably open in the 500s this time for squat. It's like, are you sure though? Where do you plan on finishing? Is that too cool. close to yeah. your finish? Like, yeah. are you trying to be cool by saying, I open at five, finish at 525, but I open. It's like, you left yourself yeah. no room, my friend. You know, so it's always like a, have you ever had lifters where they start talking like that and you got to pull them back a little and rein them in? I've personally never experienced that. I don't think Joey's really experienced that either. Um, lifters bragging about their openers. I humble people. Joe says he humbles people. <laughs> That's what you gotta do. By the time they get to the meet. He says that they're humbled by the time they get to the meet. You honestly gotta prep somebody so they're on the right path. So they're like yeah. on the same game plan. We, we're very good about communicating about like different things on meet day. Like if I have a lifter that's like experiencing their first meet, like I always communicate with them and be like, okay, well, what do you want to finish with? Mm -hmm. And then we'll do the whole game plan based off of what is realistic that they can finish with. Yeah. But I always like if I if it's an athlete that I'm not physically able to be there with them, I always tell them what they should be eating. I tell them what like don't make many changes on meet day than what you typically do in training, but also be prepared that like hey, it's not just you and the squat rack, it's probably you the squat rack and five other people. Yeah. Yeah. So like you like time things better like make sure that you're very aware of your surroundings and what's going on because that's one thing that I feel like kind of like kick people's butts on like their first and second meets when they're not they've never actually experienced how a meet takes place because things always change like meet's supposed to start at nine o'clock all right well like some of the spotters and loaders didn't show up now it's starting at 9 30 but you're you've already taken your last warm-up yeah yeah so it's like it's just it's things like that that it's just really important to communicate with your athletes about even being rushed for like warm-ups warm or or there's like five people on the same rack and you're squatting in there if you're 
if it's your first meet and this other person, you'll be warming up on the same rack as somebody who's been doing it for five years. And if you feel timid and you can't raise your hand and be like, hey, I need to get in there, yeah. they're not yeah. fucking, some, sometimes they will, but sometimes they're not checking, are you done warming up? Do you need in here? Sometimes they're in the yeah. zone and they're doing their thing and Tina Tornado's not there to be like, hey, my lifter's got to get in there. It's yeah. hard for some people when you first start. Yeah, no, it's a selfish yeah. thing, but it's you gotta be. You got and you gotta be. You gotta come out of your shell sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I'm big on like talking to them too and being like my athletes. Like on meet day, I try and say like, all right, communicate with me as best as you can. Try not to go there alone. Go there with a friend. Maybe go with someone that you know has experienced powerlifting meets and stuff before, because it's really important to make sure that you have another pair of eyes that are like watching like maybe the back warm-up room monitor yeah. or whatever because like sometimes i've seen some shady stuff go down like all right i i swear to god i was in flight c earlier but somehow they moved me to flight b you know yeah. it's like it's yeah. situations like that it's like you got to make sure you see your name on the screen make sure that your numbers are correct know your numbers in kilos have a loading chart if you need on your phone and it's just like making sure that your athletes are always prepared for like little things like that. But. Yeah, somebody's got to run and do something and help. Even if someone doesn't know powerlifting, if someone else is there and you're like, oh, I need this, I forgot that, and they can run and get it, it's huge. Yeah. They don't, people don't I, I try and I, I'm usually pretty good. I, actually, I know I'm really good. I, I have a checklist of meet day things to take with you. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, it's tough. Like, not all the guys have freaking tidy whities like, let's be real. Like, a lot of people don't <laughs> typically train in long socks. So it's just like, it's things like that. It's like, yeah. it's the little things that make a difference. Because when it comes to meet day and you get to equipment check and you don't have something. All right, can I'm, we see those flex tidy whities coming out soon on the website? I'm laughing because I'm going to throw this out there. And without a name of one of our co-hosts What's texted me at 5.30 a.m. at Central's the one year for us. So one of our like. Was it can really? you bring me tidy whities? Yeah. <laughs> that he forgot his tidy whities and he did. Did they make him cut it? No, no. He made me actually bring him underwear at five thirty in the morning. And they said they were really tight in the crotch. I remember that. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, um, yeah. So it's just little things like that that you got to be prepared for. What's the next so. for you, Tina? What's the next competition we're looking at? I'm competing at the Arnold in like six and a half, seven weeks. And is Miss Inda going to be there? She's um, as far as I have seen. I don't think so. I think Worlds is her next meet. Like, mm. I'm going to be totally honest. I feel like we're both kind of like, we're, we're, we're kind of burnt out. Like, I mean, I always, like, I always do meets and then I'm just like, all right, I'm going to take the year off. Arnold doesn't lead to Worlds. It's just the Arnold. It's not that big of a deal. And then... We need to make you like John. I wind up signing up for another meet. <laughs> like, even, even for nationals. Like, I, I was debating, like, not even doing nationals just because, like... I have literally not had a real off-season ever in, like, my powerlifting career. And like, you, I've never not competed for, like, a year. Do you think, though, because that's the thing, okay, because you guys are always competing, because you're competing and you're in the limelight in, like, U.S. Raw Nationals, you don't even got to be from the U.S. to watch U.S. Raw Nationals. So yeah. because you're out there, it helps the brand even more. So it kind of helps, like, you're always out there. It's like a show, yeah. and it's a show – and it's the one of the biggest shows we our sports got. And there's Tina Tornado battling out with an IPF world champion toe to toe. It helps. Yeah. It's got to help. So it's kind of yeah. like, do I step back a year? It's you know, do you ever do you look at? Yeah, but I mean, my thing is, is I always want to compete at fifty twos, and I feel like 
I should just not care one year and just go 57. And I might wind up doing that this nationals. I'm just not competitive though. But I, I kind of just don't really want to go to Belarus either. So, really? I mean, Belarus no, is no scary. No so that's why I'm just like, I might wind up just having a good time after the Arnold and just going 57. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I usually sit like around 120, 122 anyway, and then just cut down to 114. But who knows? Maybe, maybe a 5017 a tornado might hit the platform at some point. But it hasn't happened since 2015. So what's the goals for Arnold? Is this the meet where you want to hit those numbers that you knew you had in the tank for the U.S. Raw Nationals? Is this I, a I, I won a 900-pound total at least because I my last two meets, I've totaled 898. And oh. that freaking hurts, man. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. That's it hurts. So, that's pennies. So, I mean, that's my goal. I, I'd like to squat. Like, I've consistently been squatting uh, 142 and a half, 314, uh, or to 145 the last like month. So hopefully that'll show up on the platform, but my depth is always questionable. It's literally always up to the refs. Mm. I've never like had training days where I'm like, all right, this is without a doubt, three white lights. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, ideally I'd like to go nine for nine. I'd like to pull four Oh two bench is just, Hit the if I hit a two and a half kilo PR, I'm happy. <laughs> those are all those like nice round numbers that everyone chases. Like, into the 400 dead, 900 total, nine for yeah. nine meat. It's like that super meat where you nail down all those numbers. And then if you do, I'm comfortable moving up the 57 now. If you miss, yeah. if you missed any of those, would you be like, don't know if I can go to 57 without hitting those? I'm not, I'm not married to it. I'm not married to the idea. I mean, if it happens, if it happens, if it doesn't, then if I don't hit a PR total this meet, then that's a clear sign that I should take a year off and eat my way into 57s and then slowly cut back down again after that. Because obviously then I need to eat more, make some more progress because, I mean, I've never let myself get heavy enough to where I can see a ton of progress mm. above 52s. So maybe a bulking season will wind up being in order. But I mean... If I wind up totaling 898 or anything less than that, God then, man, that's, that's the third strike. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the destiny has called you. 57 yeah. it is. So that's like getting like a 499 Wilkes over and over again. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, that, that happened. I remember Marissa was chasing a 500 Wilkes and that happened to her at the Arnold a couple years ago. I think she had Wilkes like 499 point like, oh eight, like 18 yeah. or something like that. Do you it was just so close. Do you round but, up at I'm, that point? Do you mean, what if that was like your last meet? You gotta go with what's in the database. What if the highest you've ever hit was that shit? I'd start telling people that's 500. That's oh, like, yeah. I'm rounding yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Just round up. Tina's like, oh, I'd be rounding Who's looking at the database? Yeah. And whoever, whoever looks at the database and calls you out is a fucking asshole. That, oh, who, that, I would be the fucking asshole. Yeah, you're I, was, I, was, I was about to say. I'm I like, would be the fucking asshole. I, I would be that asshole too. You're, I see Tina on the fucking phone. Excuse me, what? What me was yeah, that? Yeah, like, let, let me look it up on the database. Yeah. And, like, I'm not even bullshitting though. I do do that. Like, I, I'll look at like competitors' numbers and stuff like that and be like, because like, I, obviously I'm going to follow my competitors on social media or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, well, they might hit some crazy numbers in training and then... I'll look at their like listing database and be like, look back on their Instagram and be like, all right, well, they hit that number a long ass time ago, but they haven't hit it on the platform, so yeah. nothing matters. Yeah. Have you so, noticed? I mean, you notice that some people are like that. Some people hit way bigger. Oh, are you like that? 
Why do you feel- I'm like that on squat and bench. Like I, I squatted, um, well, I mean, I recently squatted 319, but prior to nationals, I had squatted 314 and I only hit 303 at nationals. Mm. I'd also benched 215 in training and only hit 204 at nationals. Is that some of the weight cut or just also like depth? Uh, you were saying issue, just, but... No, I mean, I, I wound up getting the two squats that I did wind up putting in. So, I mean, if my quad hadn't cramped, and I felt 100%, then I definitely would have, I would have loaded it on mm-hmm. the bar. But I mean, that, that was the meet where I wound up handling the lifters. So I was just, I was just trashed. That's I loaded 402 on my third, but, and I got really damn close to lockout, but I just lost that momentum at the top. It is my what it is. Little 21 inch femur. <laughs> <laughs> but. Well, listen, Tina, it's been about, uh, shit, it's been about an hour and a half. We've had a half hour before we came on. Um, thanks for coming on the show, and we'd yeah, love course. to have you back. Is there anybody that you want to thank, A, or sponsors? And if someone wants to reach out to you for coaching, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, my username on Instagram is Tina underscore Tornado, and my email address is on there. And then um, there's also Flex Training Systems with Joey, obviously, Joey Flex 7 on Instagram. But um, that's it. Shout out to Joey and the whole Flex fam out there. Flex fam, all right. Wait, Joey's Joey's popping in. I just want to say, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for over the years, like always, just supporting me and Flex and the team and the boys and, and everything. And uh, can you know, thank you for like continuing to try to elevate the sport. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And, thank um, you. Also, are you watching football this weekend? <laughs> Paul might be. I will be, yeah. I'm um I'm a UFC guy, but Paul's football. Oh wow. So I, I was scared this would wind up turning into a football discussion. Yeah, guys, I'm um, not the person to ask. Appreciate you guys and that's all. Yeah. That's thank all you, sir. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, yeah. T. Well listen, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, much appreciated. Yep. Love to have you back again. Um, yeah. Maybe after the Arnold. Hopefully after the Arnold, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do. We'll see oh, if you. Hopefully, I'll have good news to report after the Arnold. That's yeah, right. I'm hoping it's a 900 plus total. Because if it's 898 yeah, again, so and and Joe is gonna hopefully be squatting well over seven. Joe's so. been fucking smoking. I think it'll, I'm thinking it might be his last meet at 120. And we're, he's going to 105. Joey was a 105 originally. So is he going back down? Do you think? Yeah, I mean his goal long-term was to go down to 93s. I remember that. He said yeah. that on the show, actually. He wanted to go down yeah. to 93s. Yeah, but, but he wants a really, really, really big, fat total at 120s before he decides to that. <laughs> now, you just saying big, fat total because he's a 120? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a play on words. Look at Tina! <laughs> but, but I that, mean, that, we got to get down to shredding for the wedding. You that's know? right. Sweating for the wedding. And, uh, but he had a 700 for a double on squats. Dude has yeah. never looked stronger. Like, Joey's murdering and it. And it's sandbag. He, he sandbags all the time. He sandbags in training, and he sandbags on meet day because I don't think he even knows what his full potential is. He's starting to become, like, one of his better athletes and one of his bigger stars in terms of, like, standouts. I would love to see Joey in a meet where he's not handling anybody and he just goes like total self like he's not well, gonna, he won't he yeah. won't have anyone to handle at the Arnold because he'll be on the first day. Oh shit. Yeah. What was that? Saturday I'm dying though. Oh yeah. But not on your meet day. He said Saturday he's dying. We have a lot of people that are competing in the Pro American at the Arnold. But, I'm not gonna but um 
But yeah, he'll be going into the Arnold fresh, not okay. handling anyone nice. but himself. It's about It'll time. It'll be me handling him. That's... Actually, I might not wind up handling him because I looked on Saturday. It's, we'll see. I was going to say, the... we, just, we just talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's exactly. not yeah, let's <laughs> do that. Well, buddy, this is a good luck. Love you guys. You. Uh, yeah, stay in touch. You we'll talk soon. You will. All righty. See good you too. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, it is tough. I'm glad. It's kind of funny having them on as like a, they get it when it comes to handling. Holy smokes, man. It's a whole nother ball game. In terms of like I, the anxiety and pressure, it, it might be tougher. Because you, you don't have control. I honestly couldn't believe that she says she handles people on day of lifting. Like yeah. this year at Provincials, I handled day before lifting and it screwed me over for day of. Yeah. I, it's, um, well, you might also, like, you might also hyper-focus if you got one or two, like you mentioned, you have one dude, and you're like, I'm gonna yeah. fucking scout and hyper focus on somebody. But wake, I can't imagine when they have 40 people in the U.S. Nationals. It's a week, isn't it, or less? It's less, I believe. It's like four or five days max. So you do the math. We're talking like eight people a day, maybe. That's insane. Like you, you would have people in the same flights and like getting the attempts in the warm ups. I mean, hopefully everybody knows their piece and yeah. how they like to warm said, up. As you said, not to mention this year the fact that it was. Warm-up rooms downstairs, platforms are upstairs. You got multiple That's platforms. That's high stress. So doing that and then lifting in like the Raw Nationals prime time yeah. against Marissa Anda, that's insane. Like I could, you'd wake up that, like when she woke up, did a full day on top of that. I like, would have no adrenaline. You'd be like, I'm fucked. Yeah. That is nuts. Hats off to her. But it is like Joey Flex had said previously, he'd walk into those competitions knowing like ahead of time, I'm going to be fucked. So I'm just having fun. I'm happy to be here. He's made prime time and um, just totally walked in there knowing he's on prime time and also way ahead of time knowing I'm just doing this for the love of the game. I'm doing this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one for the team. It's not going to be my best efforts. And um, I'm glad he's going to get a meet because he's like, man, yeah. doubling seven hundred. You know, he's actually putting up numbers here where like, honestly, in terms of his athletes, he wants, he's one of the top dogs right now. And he's got some big athletes yeah. in there. It's going to so, be interesting to see what happens when he cuts down as well. Yeah. I think... Um, and that's another thing you don't want to do when you're all day before while cutting, handling people. You couldn't do it. Like, how do you, like, what if he's got a sweat or whatever the shit? It'd be just yeah. too much. At some point, you know, it's tough because he's one of the premier coaches in the game. So it's like one of the premier athletes in the game retiring early to coach. And people are like, no, yeah. don't stop. He's like, now he's like, he's getting to the point that his lifts are getting so heavy, it becomes like, but then you got to look at what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy more yeah. of the coaching aspect, which is also your business and your livelihood? I just or do you want to just go balls yeah. out, full on, it's, just do one meet for yourself? I would, I would, you know, I'd love to him have his cake eating too, so we yeah. also get to see as well. Because uh, if he cut down, if he could maintain his numbers with a nice cut and then reverse cut, like reverse diet, so his calories come back up, body weight stays down, and has a nice cut down to one hundred five, but he maintains. The lifts he's got Yeah, we'll now. be talking about him in the Battle of the 105s. Yeah. As well as being, you know, a premier coach. It'd be, yeah. but fuck, man. It's, it's tough to do everything. It's tough to be everything for everybody. And that's the Joey Flex story right now. And that's right yeah. now the Tina story, which is tough. She said, like, this is the first year I went all in. And um, now, you, now she's starting to feel, oh, shit, Joey. <laughs> yeah. This is tough to do at all, isn't it? It's, uh, it's tough. And she's already experiencing some woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Looking back, like, damn it. Well, as I said, I did it at Provincials, and I can already tell you for myself, when Nationals rolls around for us, 
I'm going to be selfish this time. Yeah. No, you got to. Yeah. You 100% got to. With that said, I'm not handling your nuts. Yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> you have a hard time saying no to me. But anyways, I'm glad everybody tuned in. Look, at, I know uh, we tried something different and tried to do the Instagram at the same time as recording, at the same time as Skype, and I think we had some echo effect. Yeah, I, I, there was a little bit of echoing going on. I mean, I, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like we were in a cave, but it wasn't like we normally have. But I mean, this, this is the shit you got to do when you when you're testing it out. Yep. You know, we got we're we're dipping the toes in many ponds. Does, we're trying to expand. doesn't hurt to fail once in a while. Um. So we are going to, and eventually we're gonna have these flipping uh, the studio set up a little tighter. We just gotta. I don't even know how you set everything up in terms of with Instagram going at the same time, still getting volume and etc. We'll work it out. We'll but figure it out. Piece by piece, we'll build it. But thanks for tuning in. As always, give us high high ratings. Put this into your, you know, Instagram stories and give us some love and we'll repost from Six Pack Labadat and Paul Moran's and Lifts. Peace.